0: Welcome to the Master of Divinity podcast. This is the final episode of our first course on practical theology, and the last in our initial set of courses, now totaling 20 episodes. But don't relax just yet, and don't imagine that you've got an imaginary degree in the mail, because we're only getting started. I've mapped out a number of intensives, or maybe we should call them upper-level classes, in all the areas we've touched on so far. After this episode, I'll be taking a wee summer break, uh, and then should be back in July with a course called Forgotten Bible, the parts of Scripture we often overlook. I'm excited, and I hope you are too. To conclude our look at worship, I'm going to create a dialogue of sorts between Michael Slaughter Uh, Pastor Emeritus of the Ginghamsburg Church in Tip City, Ohio, and the late Marva Dawn, our leading voice in the first episode on worship. The topic is traditional versus contemporary worship, and both have strong views to share. We've already heard from Dr. Dawn, so we'll begin with Dr. Slaughter, prolific author creative thinker, and we'll also say church growth expert, uh, having helped Ginghamsburg Church grow from 90 members to 2,800 members in his first 20 years at the church, the period from the late 70s to the late 90s. The book I'm drawing from, called Out on the Edge, is a snapshot of the end of that 20-year period where he describes in some detail the type of worship he practiced and pioneered. You will see that multimedia and the use of technology were and are central to worship at Ginghamsburg, along with generous amounts of music. So let's hear a description of one service, shared, I expect, because it gives us a good sense of what goes on there. The band begins with an instrumental version of Over the Rainbow from the film The Wizard of Oz. This is followed by a two-minute video clip highlighting the journey aspect of the film. In the clip, Dorothy and her companions agree to travel together and encounter some danger. The creative coordinator, a member of the worship team, shares a call to worship highlighting the idea that we never travel alone. Next, the band plays two contemporary songs with words projected on the overhead screen. The creative coordinator prays, and the band offers another brief song. The offering is then collected. Next, the band offers the featured music for the evening, Uh, I'll Be There For You, the theme of the television program, Friends. Song is followed by a dramatic presentation with four people dressed as the lead characters from The Wizard of Oz. The focus of the drama is the challenge of creating community. Finally, the lead pastor, Michael Slaughter, offers the message, sermon, uh, following the theme of traveling companions. The creative coordinator shares closing words, and the service ends with the band playing I'll Be There For You. So, uh, as you listen to this description, a couple of questions pop into my mind. Uh, the first one uh, What surprises you about the service described, and is there anything missing? Michael Slaughter, in making a case for the style of worship I just shared, describes the visual culture that has developed in recent years. Uh, Younger people, he describes as under 40, are reading less and less and engage in some form of media to a greater extent than ever. The internet increases in size and influence at an exponential rate. Add to this the continuing dominance of television. If he was writing now, I expect he would say streaming. And you find a culture increasingly devoted to visual mediums. He goes on to cite a contemporary survey, again this is late 90s, that describes the impact television has on the way university students learn. They expect to be entertained. Serious topics and serious discussion are viewed as boring. They are visually oriented. They relate more quickly to pictures than words. They are not attentive to lecture format presentations, which often lack motion, color, rapid changes. Sound effects, visual effects, music, and drama Uh, They become bored easily unless information is fragmented and packaged according to the TV formula. They dislike history. TV doesn't do uh, well with historical facts, uh, nor does the TV generation. Uh, They dislike reading. Reading demands concentration and imagination. The reader must construct the scenes and the sets and the characters themselves. Reading is hard work compared to television. Again, this is based on a contemporary survey that he cites. Our avid readers uh, just now are are dying inside, uh, but Slaughter goes on to describe text or reading-based worship as a product of the Gutenberg era and its connection to the Protestant Reformation and no longer relevant for the 21st century. TV, he says, having come of age in the 1950s has changed the way we learn and our perceptions of what makes sense. The effective congregation of the 21st century will be part of the church that makes use of multimedia. The new Reformation will speak the language of culture and employ the communication technology that shapes the culture. Quote. My own response to this single point would be summed up in two words, Harry Potter. As millions of children have discovered or rediscovered the joy of reading, it's hard to verify that the printed word is dead. There's little doubt that TV and emerging media are growing ever more popular and persuasive, yet at the same moment there is an increasing desire to unplug or log off or have real experiences such as clubbing, snowboarding, rock climbing, or a whole host of extreme activities, even if you're simply doing it to get Instagram views. It could be argued that perhaps worship will be a place where people can escape the multiplicity of electronic images and find a kind of low-tech sanctuary. So, a question. What do you think of his summary of this generation? Uh, Do you concur? Take a moment, if you wish. There are, of course, critics of these trends in contemporary worship. Marva Don, for one, presents a case against allowing image-based technology into our sanctuaries. Uh, Her question, I quote, Let's face the question squarely. If television is causing people to be dissatisfied with the worship of our churches, should we change worship to be more like television, or should the splendor of our worship cause people to ask better questions about television? In other words, if a medium undermines our ability to concentrate, to remain engaged, or to address serious issues, should we try to emulate it, or should we try to discourage its use? Add to that the troubling statistics about exposure to violence, questionable ethics, and thousands of commercials per year, and it's easier to make a case for reassessing TV rather than the content of our worship and let's not even get started with TikTok and Instagram. Reading both Michael Slaughter and Marvadon, one begins to wish we could see them in a debate opposed as they are in so many ways. The primary difference is in the area of what they describe as felt needs, defined as the key life issues facing the people we seek to minister to. Slaughter quotes Robert Duffett, saying the only messages that will reach seekers are the ones that connect to relevant life issues. It's not that seekers are selfish. Rather, most are running on empty and look to messages to give them hope, courage, inspiration, or perspective. Communicators must learn the art and skill of connection. End quote. Marva Dawn argues that such a focus on meeting felt needs creates a dynamic whereby the churches create a product to meet the needs of consumers of worship. She says, since consumers are schooled in insatiability, they can never be satisfied. Since their makeup consists basically of unmet needs that can be requited by commodified goods and experiences, they'll tend to think first and foremost of themselves and meeting their felt needs. All of this, of course, leads back to Don's thesis that worship focused on meeting the needs of the people is idolatry when the ultimate focus should be God. It's tempting to give the people what they want rather than the difficult message they may need to hear. So-called prosperity gospel churches have done a 180-degree turn from fire and brimstone to a feel-good message that if you live right, you can become wealthy and successful. This message is unhelpful on two at least two basic levels. One, because it's not true, and two, because worship becomes a motivational workshop rather than an opportunity to honor God. What then can we do to recognize cultural change and remain faithful to the God that deserves our worship? How can we create a service that is engaging to those underrepresented in our churches and not an exercise in needless pandering? These are rhetorical questions. And the answer will no doubt come in time. Traditional worship with hymns and prayers, scriptures read and recited, and a sermon will either persist or will become as popular as attending public lectures or concerts of classical music. No one suggests that the Toronto Symphony or the Massey Lectures in Toronto each year will cease to exist, but we all know that they will remain outside the mainstream, activities that appear to a very limited pool of people, and few of them will be young. It does not follow, however, that contemporary worship will be any more successful than traditional worship. If attention spans are as short as suggested, the coveted seekers will soon tire of Christian rock music and PowerPoint presentations of pictures and video. The church that tries to keep up with changes in the media landscape will likely always be a step or two behind. My hope, based on both preference and training, is to reinvent traditional worship in a way that will not surrender to the unblinking eye of television or the false lives people construct on social media. Rather, I hope for a creative reimagining of the word proclaimed and celebrated, finding the new life Jesus Christ seeks for all of us. I'll conclude with a word from Marva Dawn. She wrote Worship that is filled with splendor will greatly stimulate the imagination with symbols and other works of art, with a wide variety of musical sounds, with texts and preaching full of images and thought provoking challenges, with silences that give inspiration free rein. Once again, thank you for joining me. Uh, look for the next pod to drop. Uh, see, I'm I'm up with the lingo uh, sometime in the next few weeks. So, bye for now.